Hey everybody, it's JT. What is on your holiday meal shopping list? Well, I would suggest Painted Hills Natural Beef. It is some of the best beef in the world. And your friends and family will be thanking you for a long time if you serve Painted Hills Natural Beef for your holiday meals. And now you can buy it online just by going to PaintedHillsBeef.com. Use the code BBQNATION at checkout and save yourself 15% on your order. Give Painted Hills Natural Beef a place on your table this holiday season. It's time for Barbecue Nation with JT. So fire up your grill, light the charcoal, and get your smoker cooking. Now, from the Turn It, Don't Burn It studios in Portland, here's JT. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the nation. That's Barbecue Nation. I'm JT, along with my co-host, uh, co-conspirator and radio wife, as my, my real wife calls her, Leanne Whippen. Uh, we've got Dave and Chris running around in the background. We would like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, Beef the Way Nature Intended. So we've got a, a great guest today, Joe Haynes. He's an author. This is his third book we're going to be talking about today. He's a KCS, KCBS judge, competitor, um, and a competitor. I'm running my words together here. And his new book is from Barbecue to Barbecue. And uh, it comes out the 23rd, I think. Um, oh, it actually it, released on the 11th. Was it? Because the so one already sold out on Amazon. So, okay, good, good. Because the one that the publicist that the publisher sent me said it came out on the 23rd. Mm. So, okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, welcome. Welcome, Joe. Thank you. Um, be yeah now this is a very interesting book we've had um we've had robert moss on the show several times over the years we've had adrian miller on the show we've had uh um um Moody's on the show we've we've had a lot of a lot of these guys on the show but um uh, your book man your book digs into it that's the only thing i could say it really digs into the history of barbecue um and very annotated and um uh, the research you were telling us before we came on the air here, how it was kind of like a ball of Christmas lights and you're trying to <laughs> untangle it. So yeah. um, first of all, why did you do this? Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> well, I started diving into, uh, excuse me, history of Virginian foods, specifically the foods that I grew up with in central Virginia <laughs> um, back around 2011. Uh, but way back when I was in high school, I worked at a local barbecue joint. That's where I kind of got the barbecue bug. And so when I went to college, I quit my job at the barbecue place. And since then, as I've traveled around the country, I've eaten barbecue wherever I've gone and, and sought out the best places in the areas that I've visited. Sure. And I've noticed over the years that uh, none of those places had barbecue that was like the barbecue that I grew up with. And uh, uh, and so I realized at some point back in about the early 90s that Virginia has its own unique way of doing barbecue. Uh, it, it, and it and it's not something that you see in other places. I'll give you a perfect example. I was out of Arizona one time. They're not known for their barbecue, but well, I have, uh, matter of fact, I have to go to a barbecue restaurant. There were some other people who was with me. They wanted barbecue. And uh, I met a lady there who was from uh, the Tidewater region of Virginia, down around uh, Virginia Beach. And she oh. said, you know, about the barbecue out here it's just not like the barbecue i had when i was growing up and i was like well you know what it is right it's not enough vinegar in the sauce it's it's a very i call it a gravy like sauce it's um just not uh doesn't have the right amount of tang right and so like when i was growing up all the barbecue um around the areas of the old timers that cook barbecue uh like the barbecue joint that i worked at um that barbecue sauce was um kind of like uh 
maybe a half and half uh, tomato uh, and vinegar with uh, with herbs and spices in it, and of course salt and pepper. And uh, it's very unique. And when I worked at the place, since then the original family that owned it sold it, and of course you know how that does. Yeah, business. oh yeah, help with any. But when I was working there, we we would we would load up the cooker at night around nine o'clock with forty full pork shoulders, and by five o'clock the next day we'd be sold out, done. And that was just a constant, often occurrence. Now, um, we had people come from all over the place to get that barbecue because they couldn't get anything like it anywhere else. Uh, we had other places that would serve beef chuck barbecue mm-hmm. and very unique. Um, uh, flavorings in that and all so so anyhow when i started looking into the history of the foods that i grew up with things like hoe cake things like smoked ham uh see my father he 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 raised his own hogs he raised he, he cultivated his own gardens and we would slaughter the hogs salt them and he would smoke them in a smokehouse and sometimes he cooks some barbecue and uh sometimes we would take the loins and cut them into little medallions and cook them on a barbecue grill mm-hmm. or char- so we knew the difference i always knew the difference between barbecue and grilling and smoking right and so as I dug into that, my first book came out of that, Virginia Barbecue History. And it was all about the history of foods in Virginia, especially around the area of Tidewater region of Virginia where I live. So and then I did a Brunswick Stew book, uh, which was um, actually going to be part of the Virginia Barbecue book. But my publisher was like, it's too big, man. You got to cut it down. So I said, OK, well, I'll do two books. Now, this book came about simply because I realized there was nothing available that really cut through the minutia of barbecue history um, that never really showed barbecue history from a primary source point of view. Um, And a lot of the things that we read about barbecue and supposedly barbecue history is just what we know of barbecue today read back into the past. So I went, I went back into the past and found contemporary sources to comment on the original passages and to understand exactly what they were really saying about barbecue. And um, so, like I said, I wasn't really going to do the book like this, but there were some academic publishers that were interested. And so they wanted me to put a lot more rigor in it. Um, and that's why it took five years, because, um, you know, obviously I had to document everything. Uh, the citations there, they're, gosh, over, I guess over 2000 primary, secondary source. Yes. That takes a lot of time just to manage that. And then every time somebody edits it, you hold your breath because you're afraid they're going to mess up the citations. <laughs> So that's kind of how this all came about. And it's really just the labor of love. Um, I um, I uh, am just, uh, uh, you know, I've got uh, Patawomic Indian uh, ancestry and I've got European ancestry. And um, uh, I felt that uh, those those things uh, really it was after my mother died that I didn't really spend enough time talking to her about these things and and her life growing up here in Virginia. And um uh, anyway, that's a very long story on another subject, but that's kind of what got me started on this whole book writing thing. Well, I will say that you kind of dovetailed in, or you, what you did is those other books that I mentioned, those other authors, they kind of dovetail into what you've written, but you've got down, like you said, separated the minutia from it because, and and this is something I found fascinating, okay? And I'm kind of a history nerd, but you have uh, OSBP, which is original Southern barbecue period. And then you have COT, which is uh, Caribbean or- origins theory like that. Um, so, and if, and if you read uh, Adrian Miller's book or uh, Robert Moss's book or any of those, Jim, uh, Jim's book, yep, they, all, 
yeah, they kind of all, they touch on that for a little bit, but they really don't dig into it like you did. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you straight up here. And this is what people will ask you as your book hits the shelves this week and they start buying it and they start to read it, which came first, the chicken or the egg on this deal. Okay. Did, did all the, did all this stuff come out of the Caribbean? Did it come from the the slaves that were brought over here from Africa or where did it really start here? Right. Um, What, what is, uh, I, I, I can only tell you my opinion of based on what I have observed, but it seems to me that at some point there was somebody who was very famous for cooking what they call barbecue, whether it was grilling, cooking outdoors, whatever the case may be. And some group said, hey, wouldn't it be fun if we invited them to tell us about the history of barbecue? And so now they've got a day or two to come up with something. And so they always go back to, well, sometime in the ancient past, lightning struck a rabbit in front of a cave. <laughs> and the caveman saw it and he ate the rabbit and said, hmm, this is really good. And that is how barbecuing started. And they always say barbecue is cooking outside with smoke and fire. Okay. Um, so then we come along to the Caribbean. And the reason the Caribbean comes into play from these guys is because, and girls, is because of the word barbacoa, which was an Arawak word mm-hmm. spoken in Haiti by the indigenous people there in the 1500s, 1600s. And it was a word that... Um, it's a noun. It's always been a noun. It's not a verb. It's not. It doesn't refer to a cooking technique. It refers to a wooden structure set upon four posts that was used to store things, to support things. It was used as beds. It was used as couches, and they would cut meat into strips and hang it on the uh, barbacoa to dry to make jerky. So, well, barbacoa, that's where our word barbecue came from, because according to uh, the 19th century scholar Edmund uh, uh, Tyler. So this must be where barbecue came from. And then they go, now this is the real henchpin, right? The real henchpin of this theory that uh, the Caribbean origins theory, interesting note, the reason I have to say COT and OSBP and OSBT, right? Caribbean origins theory, original Southern barbecuing period, original Southern barbecuing technique is because I use those terms and phrases so much, it exploded the word count in the book. (laughs) (laughs) So I had to go with the acronyms. Okay. That's just a note. So so what, what really happened now is uh, you read a dictionary and you can go back 100 years, read a dictionary and you look up barbecue and you will say you see it, uh, quote, a guy named Edward Ward that says barbecuing is a West Indian way of cooking. And then you'll see the dictionary, quote, a guy named Alexander Pope that says um, uh, barbecuing uh, is a West Indian way of cooking uh, a pig stuffed with spice, based with Madeira wine. And so they always go back to those two men. And then so now in, in a lot of barbecue history books, they quote these guys as though they got, these guys knew what they were talking about. So I, I realized early on that if we really want to understand the origins of Southern barbecue, we got to get past Ned Ward first. Is, did Ned Ward know what he was talking about or was he just, you know, writing a little story? Well, it turns out Edward Ward was a was a satirist. He wasn't a, a serious writer. He wrote satire for men who frequented taverns in the early 1700s of England. So he was used to writing for a rough crowd. The phrase barbecuing is a West Indian way of cooking comes out of a little pamphlet that he wrote in around, I think it was about 1707 called The Barbecue Feast uh, or The Three Pigs, a, a, a Peckham Broiled Under an Apple Tree. 
And in that little pamphlet, he uses the phrase one time, barbecuing is a West Indian way of cooking. Wow. We got, we're going to take a break. We're going to be back with uh, Joe Haynes, author of the new uh, barbecue. I, that's the way I'm pronouncing it, to barbecue. barbecue. I'm sorry? It's just barbie. Barbecue. Bar- and barbecue. Okay, barbecue to barbecue. Anyway, hey. we're going to figure this out when we come back here on Barbecue Nation. Stay with us. Hey everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT along with uh, Ms. Whippin today, and we've got Joe Haynes, who's You've been inducted into the Black Barbecue Hall of Fame. I, I, I didn't even know they had one. Honestly, I, I'm, I'm dumb, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, uh, that was just, um, I'm flabbergasted, uh, honored beyond belief. Huh. Uh, and I accepted the award. I accepted that award uh, on behalf of all of the unknown. Uh, and the ones that were known enslaved barbecue cooks uh, in the southern United States throughout uh, the last several centuries. Sure, so, I want to I want to jump back to Virginia for a bit. Leanne owned some restaurants and ran restaurants in Virginia, and yeah. I don't think I I've didn't, ever. I didn't grow up there though, and no. so I was in Chesapeake, which was close to Norfolk, which had heavy military. So you're getting a hodgepodge of people from all over the country, you know, people from Texas, the Carolinas, you know, Missouri, whatever. And I wanted to appeal to all of those um, flavors from, you know, from those areas. So I offered a variety of sauces, slow smoke the meats, but just the sauce differentiated the region that it came from. So that that's what I went after. I didn't know the history of Virginia barbecue per se. I guess my question is, to me, it's like a big treasure hunt. You know, um, you're trying to find the answer to all these questions and you're relying seems like solely on on this pamphlet. But who's to say there wasn't another pamphlet that was never, ever found or whatever. Um, and it, it, it just seems like um, why couldn't it Virginia be from the migration of people in the Carolinas who had vinegar based sauces and then somebody from the Western side with some tomato in there and they did it that way. I'm not asking for proof, but what makes you believe that it came from where you're saying it came from? Yeah. Right. Well, the first thing that, that thing about Ed Ward, that's just one chapter. There's a lot of there over a hundred thousand words in this book and Ed Mm -hmm. Ward is about Ned. So as far as uh, Virginia, North Carolina, that kind of thing, um, uh, North Carolina, well, actually what North Carolina, it was a Carolina colony, wasn't established uh, until about 1655. Okay. Our records of people in Virginia holding barbecues as far far back as 1645, right? So so that kind of uh, seems to undercut the North Carolina claim for whatever reason they, they think. You know, I've seen no proof from anybody that North Carolina, you know, invented barbecue. As far as are there other pamphlets that exist? If there are, we don't know about them. 
and you can't make an argument based upon something that doesn't exist. Right. Um, uh, like one one thing I heard a guy make. I heard a guy make an argument one time that Virginia didn't have barbecue because Thomas Jefferson never mentioned it in his uh, little uh, treatise he wrote about Virginia. <laughs> and I'm like, you can't make an argument based upon the absence of something, right? Just because he didn't mention it doesn't mean that it didn't exist. So as we look further into the North Carolina thing, the East and the West kind of thing, the first cookbook that had a recipe for barbecue sauce with tomato ketchup in it was printed in 1878 called the uh, housekeeping in old Virginia. And it turns out that um, the first people to settle in Tennessee were Virginians. Virginians were under the mistaken impression that Tennessee was a part of Virginia back in those days. Uh, So North Carolina was a part of Virginia. Kentucky was a part of Virginia, but Tennessee was not, but Virginians went in there anyhow. And so it just seems that it looks like this ketchup thing kind of migrated out of uh, Tennessee over into Western North Carolina. Now, if you talk to uh, some of the North Carolina barbecue guys like uh, Bob Gardner, he says that uh, that North Carolina's ketchup barbecue sauce came from Tennessee. But uh, but the, the point of it is, as far as whether or not this could have come out of North Carolina, um, if you look at all of the different pressures and things that existed in early 16th century Virginia, in the first half of 16th century in Virginia, Virginia was uniquely situated and positioned for Southern barbecuing to develop. And here's the other thing, right? Digging a pit in the ground, filling it with hot coals, putting a wooden grill over top of it, butterflying a hog carcass and laying it on that pit and then basting it with a butter, vinegar, salt, pepper sauce. There is no record of anybody anywhere else in the world ever doing that except in the Southern United States and colonial Southern United States just doesn't exist. And anyone that says it does, they don't have any credible citations to show that it happened. I'm I'm curious, Joe, that. Um, and, and we I talked a lot with Adrian Miller and, and so did Leanne about this, and I talked about it with uh, with Robert uh, Moss. If you if geographically, if you look, you've got the Caribbean. You can't see my hands really, but the Caribbean's down here. It's further south. And then you've got what we know now is uh, further north is Florida. You know, Georgia, the Carolinas, Virginia, you go up the coast like that. But in the slave trade routes. As as time progressed. They didn't bring them to the Caribbean and then north. They brought them straight into the country. So I'm curious as to the effect of that uh, with the people from Africa that came in and how that affected the, um, the you know, the Caribbean, if you will, the, the COT theory. Um, right. How did that affect that? Because they were obviously cooking different types of of uh, of meats, if you will, um, than the people in the Caribbean were, because two different continents. Mm-hmm. Right. So, how how did that affect that? Yeah. Um, so when you look at the Africans and people of African descent in the Caribbean, um, that there were millions of people, I believe, um, brought from Africa to the Caribbean over a period of the whole period of time of slavery uh, existed there. And the reason for that is because an enslaved person only lived, uh, if they were fortunate, they'd live seven to 10 years. And so they constantly needed to bring in new supplies of enslaved people. 
where in in the United States or the colonial United States and Virginia and other colonies, uh, enslaved people live longer. Mm-hmm. And so I am not proud of this bit of Virginia history, but Virginia, there was a there was a triangle of 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 trade of enslaved people in colonial America and in the United States before the Civil War that existed between Charleston, South Carolina, Virginia and New York. Okay, we're going to take another break. We're going to be back with uh, Joe Haynes here in just a couple minutes. Fascinating stuff about Joe's new book, Barbecue to Barbecue. Figure that out three times. All right, we'll be right back. Hey, are you ready to fire up your grill and get ready to taste the difference this spring and summer? Hi, I'm JT, and I'm thrilled to announce our further collaboration with Painted Hills Natural Beef to bring you your best barbecue experience. As a special treat, Barbecue Nation listeners get a 15% off discount by just typing in the code Barbecue Nation when you check out. So all you got to do is go to the Painted Hills Natural Beef website, click on the store, place your order, and when it has discount or code at the bottom, type in BBQ Nation. Don't miss out on this really juicy deal from Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to the nation. That's Barbecue Nation. I'm JT, along with Ms. Leanne Whippen and Joe Haynes today. Joe's new book, Barbecue to Barbecue. Joe's also, this is his third book. He's a KCBS judge. He's a competitor. He's a history buff like I am, and I like that. But first, I want to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, Beef the Way Nature Intended. If you shop on their online store, uh, if you use the term BBQ Nation for this show, BBQ Nation, uh, when you go to check out at their online store, you get 15% off. And also, Ms. Whippin's Pig Powder. Invented by her father, uh, was coveted as the best rub on the planet. Uh, it's used by winning pit, pit masters all over the country, all over the world now for the last 30 odd years. And you can pick it up yourself at pigpowder.com. And uh, she will actually sign the box because she ran out of pictures. She's so famous. <laughs> She'll sh- uh, sign That's the box. That's not for- true. Ah. <laughs> It's great stuff. I can tell you this, not just because she's my radio partner, but and my friend, but it is great stuff. I use it on a lot of things. Um, I I use it on TV last week. So there you Very go. Good. Anyway, uh, we're talking yeah. with Joe Haynes here about his new book. And I, um, I, I find it really fascinating because uh, there's a young man on, on uh, social media now who is making a very good living, Joe, going back and uh, finding old cookbooks and more of the, you know, the American West style cookbooks, if you will, like that. And he's redoing these recipes with, you know, bacon grease and uh, flour and making whatever. And uh, he's funny as all get out. But <laughs> I, I think, I think we have, in our midst here, people that are fascinated with the history of food. You know, um, when food television first came out years ago, um, and one of our friends, Graham Kerr, was uh, one of the pioneers of that, and of course, Julia Child and all that. But I really think that people are fascinated by this. And so I, I want to commend you for doing this book. I'm, As you said in the first, first segment, it, it wasn't easy. It took a long time. 
to do that. But what's the biggest thing you learned in put in all this research and putting this book together? Yeah. Yep. Uh, there are a lot of big things that I've learned and some of them were uh, shocking. Uh, some of them were eye opening. So I would say, um, you know, when you look at, look at, uh, you look at the contents of the book, right. We, we talk about, uh, barbacoa, we right. talk about egg and jerk. Uh, we talk about Southern barbecue. We talk about the word barbecue. We talk about, uh, various different subjects. And of course we got Mr. Ed Ward in there. Uh, so I would say, um, honestly, uh, probably the biggest thing that I learned was how, um, Americans are fascinated with barbecue and how barbecue, regardless of how it's cooked, has some kind of uh, emotional connection. And I think it has to do with the fact that when we, we we just don't eat barbecue alone. We eat barbecue with people we love. We eat barbecue with our friends. And I think that's one of the biggest takeaways, you know, of all the changes that we've seen in barbecue and that occurred on barbecue over the last two or three hundred years. That one thing about it has remained the same. Well, you, you say that. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, no, no. I was going to ask, do you think that Virginia has been slighted in that they aren't really known to be like a regional barbecue that people talk about? Right. Um, I don't think Virginia has been slighted. I think some about Virginia, they just don't like to talk about themselves. You know, Brunswick, <laughs> stew, there's no question Brunswick stew was created in Brunswick, Virginia. But as soon as a Virginian says that, somebody from Georgia will say, no way, it came from Georgia, and they just cower and run away. And I think that with Virginia barbecue, uh, like I remember back in the 60s, uh, that's at least down around Richmond, some places that called themselves uh, North Carolina-style barbecue, saw so, uh, barbecue restaurants would open up. And you know, we'd go and eat that and say, wow, this is really different. And they were very different. And uh, and so what is this? This is North Carolina barbecue. And then we go back to a place we've been eating at, you know, that's been in Virginia for, gosh, I mean, in Richmond back in those days, you had them been around since the 20s and 30s. And we're like, what kind of barbecue you cook? And the guys would be like, we just go barbecue. We just go good barbecue, right? It's kind of like when you go to China and you say, I want to order Chinese food. And they'll be like, what are you talking about? We, we got food. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just an, an idea of Virginians not being able to properly market what they are doing and uh, and the, the history and the rich, rich history that I'll give you one quick antidote where I live here in Fredericksburg. I, 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 I would take more than both hands and both feet to name the number of plantations that lived within a 50 mile radius of, that, that existed within a 50 mile radius of where I am. And every summer between uh, the early 1700s and up to before the Civil War. These each plantation in this area would hold a barbecue and all the other plantation owners would, would come and they bring their people and some of them would bring enslaved people and they would just take turns holding barbecues all summer long. George Washington was in that crowd. In fact, if you ever read the quote where George Washington said he went to a barbecue and stayed all night, that barbecue occurred in Fredericksburg, Virginia, right here at uh, Kidmore Plantation. Uh, I don't think Virginians, they just like you, Leanne, they, they don't know. And they're not familiar. And then they're coward when they Google barbecue history. And it says, you know, barbecue came from the Taino Indians and it went to Texas or it went to Kansas City or it went to North Carolina or it went to Memphis. And it's like, gee, isn't that a funny thing that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that barbecue only went to the four places that the news media talks about with barbecue. So hey. I don't think we've it. I just think we've done a very poor job in promoting it. 
Do do the Virginians kind of cower like that when it's Virginia Tech playing Georgia Tech? <laughs> I, I'm just curious. Maybe that's what we got to do. We got to make that connection. Yeah, there you go. Well, you said in the book, and I'm going to quote it here, it said from the first entertainments in the 17th century centered around barbecued venison to backyard barbecues today centered around burgers and dogs, I'm paraphrasing, American barbecues have always been about much more than the mere act of eating. And that ties in with what you were just talking about there. I think that's very true, Joe, because normally, like at my house, and I'm, I do this for a living, just like Leanne does and everybody, but it's like, I rarely invite people over for dinner of something that I haven't cooked on one of my grills. Okay. Uh, it doesn't matter which one or what style, what charcoal or pellet or gas or stick, whatever. Mm -hmm. But rarely do I invite them over and say, yeah, I'm going to cook everything right on the stovetop here. It just yeah, doesn't, right. it just doesn't Bird happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, is, is that, is that the way you do it too? Personally? Uh, if, if I invite people over for dinner and I don't cook something in my pit, they, they don't, they don't appreciate about it. They're like, well, I thought you were going to give us a barbecue. Right. right. So <laughs> no, it, it's all good. Um, when did, when did we start to make the turn, if you will, from these different influences to kind of meld it down into American barbecue, if you will. Um, the history is there and that, but we also have a, kind of a habit of saying no we invented that in this country you know it did it didn't come from um saint croix or whatever you know it, it yep. we we did that when did that yep. start to transition into yep. into the what we know today yeah yeah what 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 went on you, you know obviously in in among english speakers anyway during the 1600s and among Spanish and Portuguese speakers and, and Dutch speakers and French speakers and German speakers in the 1500s is whenever those uh, Europeans came over here to the new part of the, the, the world, part of the world that they just realized was here, right? The Americas. They saw a lot of things they'd never seen before and they didn't have any words for them, right? So they would see a hammock. They didn't have the word hammock in their vocabulary. They'd see tobacco. They didn't have a word tobacco in their vocabulary. And so they would see avocado. Well, they've never seen an avocado. So they would borrow words, nouns, nouns that the indigenous people use to refer to those things. So when you look at barbacoa, whatever they were using that barbacoa for was something that the Europeans had never seen before. So when the Europeans came over here, they knew how to roast meat, right? They knew how to cook meat on a spit. They knew how to bake meat. They knew how to grill meat. They knew how to boil meat. They knew all these different ways of cooking. But when they come over here and uh, the English speakers, when they come over here and they see people in, from the southern United States along the eastern seaboard barbecuing these pigs, they look at it and say, you know, we don't really do that where I come from. And they had to use a word. And so they borrowed the new world or the wor word from the Americas, barbecue, to refer to it. So the, so when you, when you say, well, where did it all come from nowadays? Well, what happened is after Reconstruction, about the time Reconstruction ended, mm -hmm. um, barbecue really began to change in this country. And so then the people were using iron barbecue pits. They were um, cooking meat and get it now. They were cooking meat in what's called a fireless cooker and calling it barbecue. They were cooking meat with gas cookers. And so and then by the time you get into the 1920s, 
backyard barbecues start to come on. And then by the 1930s, people are writing books to teach you how to cook barbecue in your backyard. And of course, things like here's how you cook coffee on your grill. Here's how you barbecue a hamburger, blah, 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 blah. And then that kind of went into World War II, and it became a very convenient way for people to cook in World War II because of the shortages of certain types of fuel. And then by the 1950s, man, backyard barbecue just took off all over the country. And so nowadays, when you're looking at grilling, grilling is is something that's, that Europeans did before they ever came here to the to, to the Americas. So it isn't something that they would use the word barbecue to refer to. And grilling is European, right? What they do in Texas with their smoke roasted brisket, that's a European way of cooking. That's not a, a an America's a way of cooking from the indigenous people didn't particularly cook like that. It came from uh, Eastern Europe. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that. Well, it it does in a way, because when we come back, we're just about out of time for this segment. But I want to talk to you about Henry Perry, because both Adrian and Robert and Jim all made mention of him. And so I want to talk about him just a little bit, uh, because he seems to be the guy that put a big, big mark on like commercial barbecue if you will. Okay. Um, so we're going to take a break. We're going to be back with Joe Haynes and, and Ms. Leanne in just a moment. Don't go away. Hey everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to the nation. Um, next week, we have uh, Dr. Stacy and Dr. Carol from the Oregon State My Old Alma Mater Ag Department talking about women in agriculture and cooking and all kinds of fun stuff. It was a fun show. Uh, I had it was a three to one. I got to tell you that, Joe. I had those two and Leanne all, all <laughs> on me on this deal. So anyway, we're going to do that. And Joe's going to stick around for after hours. He has no idea what he's in for there. But like I was saying before we went to break, you know, Henry Perry is uh, probably if you asked anybody about uh, barbecue and they kind of fancy themselves, if you will, a little bit of a barbecue historian, Henry Perry's name is going to come up, you know, Um, and uh, just like old Arthur and uh, because we had uh, I can't even think of his name right now. Help me out here, Leanne. Arthur's great, great, great grandson was on the show right, last right. year, and he's brought back some of his granddad's original reg, uh, recipes. But wow. but as far as Henry Perry, you know, he had a standalone barbecue shack, if you will, and all of that. What kind of mark did he make on this? Our yeah. world. Yeah. Henry Perry is known as the father of Kansas City barbecue. Right. He was now there were there were several uh, barbecue stands that popped up in Kansas City around late 1890s, early 1900s. But Henry Perry's was certainly one of the most talked about. Um, he got to start cooking on uh, riverboats, actually. And uh, they say that his his barbecue sauce, the base that he put on his barbecue was a tearjerker because it was so spicy and vinegary. But here's the thing about uh, Henry Perry. I think that, that that's what makes Henry Perry so famous and, and beloved in so many people's memory and why, why we're still talking about him. 
is beyond barbecue. Henry Perry was an extremely charitable fellow. He would cook barbecues for hundreds and hundreds of poor people and give them all of the money from the barbecues. Of course, feed them for free. And every penny that was uh, collected for the food was distributed to poor people in Kansas City. And he did it all the time. And I think that that's as big a part of his legacy as his delicious barbecue. Well, you know what? Um, I think that's a good practice. Yeah, I do. I, I think I, and we, we've kind of got that now somewhat with Operation Barbecue Relief, uh, yeah. Stan and his crew. But I think that's a really good deal. And and, you know, it's funny because you go back and you historically look at the barbecue joints, if you will. They're pretty small They're yeah. You know, they don't seat 300 people. Um, they don't have Leanne's famous pickles. They don't have anything like that. You know, they're they're just kind of a go in and get it and get out type thing. So maybe that's what we should get back to instead of this huge commercialization of yeah. that's just my thought. Mm-hmm. Right there. When yeah. you were when you were done, when you hit the keyboard for the last time and put the last period on the end of a sentence and you mm-hmm. sent it off to the publisher. Yeah. How big of a relief was that? Uh, huge. Um, uh, it, it was a relief. Uh, then it was um, a little bit of apprehension because you never know what an editor is going to do to it. Right. Uh, editors, they're going to edit. You'll get to see so much. But then when you send it up back to them, you never really know, you know, the, OK, this one's going to print. Well, you know, you never know. And, and, and now I will say this about University of South Carolina Press. Uh, the people that I've worked there, top notch, top notch, extremely professional. And they did a really fantastic, tremendous job on, on getting this book ready to publish. The other thing that I always have is, gee, what am I going to do next? And so, <laughs> so I'm like, you know, all the things that I've been wanting to do, uh, you know, maybe I ought to do some of those and, and forget about writing more books or, you know, some of these things. So I don't, I don't know. So right now I'm at the point of, well, okay, that's done. What's next? So. I'm sure. I'm sure you probably had when you were all finished with it a pretty lengthy honeydew list around the house and stuff. <laughs> yeah, <you're> right. <laughs> if he's still married. If he's, yeah. <laughs> well, I know. I know the deal with editors because I wrote a book years ago, and then our our friend Meathead is going back and forth with. Uh, he just said that a couple of weeks ago on the show, Leanne, about he's got a new book coming out in 2025. I guess they pushed it off, but the editors can either make you or break you in a way uh, because what do you do with an editor just very quickly here, Joe, what do you do with an editor who knows absolutely nothing about barbecue? Yeah, that's right. That's it. (laughs) I've actually withdrew my uh, submission to a publisher over something like that. Uh, Submitted it to a publisher. They were academic publisher. Uh, I had a section in the book. uh, This was in my Brunswick stew book. Uh, part of what I do is I try to dig up information about the people that actually did the cooking. And, and right. Brunswick through Burgoo, white people didn't cook that in 1800s, early 1900s. They're African-Americans. So I dug up, everybody knows Gus Jobert, the big Burgoo king in Kentucky. Well, I dug up information on about four or five of his cooks that no one had written about. Uh, I went to uh, uh, government records. I went to genealogy sites. I went to all kinds of just fascinating information. An editor there said, I'm going to cut that out because I don't think it's relevant to the book. And I said, that is the whole purpose of the book. I'm out. And I'm out another publisher. Yeah, so you're right, man. You never know what they're going to try to do. It's tough. It, it's tough. I've been asked a couple times to do another book, and I'm like, 
I don't, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> well, my, we do a, and Leanne's working with me on a TV project. And so I might do a, a golf cookbook here one of these days. <laughs> Nice. Much, much easier, except yeah. golf, nobody can nobody can agree on when golf started anyway. So, yeah. you know, was it Mary Queen of Scots or was it some drunk Frenchman? I mean, hell, nobody <laughs> knows. So do that. Yeah, maybe both of them together. Do you enjoy going out and cooking uh, like in competition once in a while? And I know you're a judge. Do you enjoy that? And oh, yeah. and you must hear a lot of different versions of things when you're when you're at those events. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, uh, I, uh, I don't cook a lot of contests because I don't have the freedom to travel the way you have to, to cook a lot of contests. Yeah. Uh, for about 10 years, there was a local contest, KCBS contest here in my town. I would cook that every year. Did pretty good internationally. Um, <clears throat> but then I judge regional contests. I actually met Leanne a few years ago at uh, Smoking by the Bay up in Maryland, I believe. She was there. Myron Mixon was there and a couple other people and somehow got that up in the middle of it. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, uh, so, but now, you know, um, now I get rid of all of my professional barbecue pits. I had, uh, I had a Jambo, I had a 270, uh, smoker. Um, I, I, I had, uh, a big green egg, things like that. I got rid of all those and I'm just using a typical backyard pit. I've got a little metal kettle that I use, or actually it's a, it's an acorn. It's a keg. Yeah. And I've got some other, uh, uh little, um, uh, metal pits that I use, but I don't have any professional stuff anymore because, I really wasn't planning on doing any uh, more contests. So. Well, that's that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Joe, how can people find the book? How can they find you? How can they get in touch with you if they wish to? All right. So the best way to get in touch with me is on Facebook. Um, uh, it's facebook.com slash Virginia Barbecue 101. And you can contact me directly there. I'm also on Twitter uh, at OC Barbecue, the, the letter O, the letter C, and the word barbecue, B-A-R-B-E-C-U-E. You can direct message me there as well. Joe Haynes, his new book, Barbecue to Barbecue. Uh, Joe's going to stick around for after hours. And until then, remember our motto, turn it, don't burn it. For Leanne and myself and Joe, have a good week and take care, everybody. Barbecue Nation is produced by JTSD LLC Productions in association with Salem Media Group. All rights reserved.